Welcome to Documentary First, an inside look at a first-time filmmaker's journey. I'm your host, Josh Lindsay from the Movie Proposal Podcast. And with us is our first-time filmmaker, Christian Taylor. Hello there, Josh Lindsay. How are you today? Hello, Christian. I'm very good. How are you? I'm good. Good. And with us, as always, is, and I love to say this, our trusty, dusty, research extraordinaire, button-pushing guy, Jason Rugg. Hey there. Hey, Jason. <laughs> Looks like you had a little scruff going on there today. Yeah, still kind of, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just kind of, you know, we got the cold weather. It's like 32 degrees. I'm like, ah, you know, my face is cold. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that have is you, one. Have you guys encountered, I was just going to say, have you encountered people who you haven't seen since COVID started and then you run into them and they got a full beard or long hair or something like that? <laughs> A, a couple, yeah. <laughs> Mostly just seen pictures, haven't actually seen them in person, but yeah. And one of the positive side benefits, I think, of having to wear the masks is that when you do go outside, at least your face is warm. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of went out and was like, oh, that's not so bad. Yeah, you kind of have to find the bright side, right? Yeah, for sure. Anyway, so we're here to talk about the girl who wore freedom and what's been going on. So let's dive in. Let's dive in, Christian. What is new with a girl who wore freedom? Well, I'm so glad you asked. The last week, uh, we left off with a little bit of confusion on my part where I discovered that we had to, uh, like, get a copyright with our uh, film with the Library of Congress and also register it with the WGA. So I have a little bit more clarity this week about that. Uh, I did go ahead and register with the WGA. It was very, very easy. Uh, it was inexpensive, I think maybe 20 bucks. It wasn't a big deal at all. And now I have a little document that says I did that. Um, the Library of Congress, of course, was more complicated. I got to a part where I was like, I'm in way over my head. And so I had a, a little trick in my back pocket and it his name was Trevor Schmidt. Trevor Schmidt is a Holy Post podcast listener who volunteered to help us. I'm so incredibly thankful for him. He works for the Hutchinson Law Group in Raleigh, North Carolina. So I made an appointment, called him, and he was able to clarify a few things for me. First of all, uh, that we are a published work. So he determined that The Girl Who Wore Freedom is a published work based on the fact that we made the film and as soon as we shipped anything to anyone that became a published work. So when we shipped our uh, folder or um, when we uploaded our file to the Chagrin Doc Fest, which was the first film festival that we sent a copy of the film to, uh, that was when we became published. So that that was around, I think, August 20th. So that was when The Girl Who Wore Freedom was officially published. And it, he said it is very complicated to fill out everything on the Library of Congress copyright form. It is important to do it electronically. And it is important to have someone who knows what you're doing fill it out. So there is a portal online where you uh, fill out all of the information and we will upload a copy of our script, but we will also have to mail in a hard copy of the film. So that was a question um, was what 
do we send in? Do we send in a DVD, a Blu-ray, a file um, on a flash drive? And we decided that I had called the Library of Congress and they said that I could send a flash drive and that that would probably be the best way to go since, um, you know, 70 years from now. So like this copyright is going to be in effect for 70 years. Um, if they had to reference it or find it, uh, it would be most accessible on a flash drive as opposed to like a Blu-ray disc or a DVD player in case we lost the ability to play those. So uh, that was exciting to know. So I made an appointment with Trevor and we're going to do that together over Zoom and fill out that form and then we will get our copyright. So what kind of law does Trevor practice or because obviously he's familiar with this sort of thing? Yes, great question. He is an IP lawyer, so intellectual property. And so I think it's... a fan of the Holy Post. Yeah, that's a a really specific and handy thing to be. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, Yeah, speaking of which, um, the Holy Post podcast and their listeners have been so incredible to us. I just really want to give them a shout out and let them know if anyone is listening, we need a webmaster because our webmaster stepped back uh, this past week. And so we've really been praying that um, God would send us a webmaster. It's kind of a critical component I'm learning of our film process. Um, So make sure, uh, first-time filmmakers, that you have a good webmaster that's going to stick with you. And uh, fortunately, ours, David Needham, is still sticking with us. He's just uh, juggling a lot more now that uh, kids are home from school and pandemics raging and stuff like that. So, and then um, everyone's got an excuse with COVID. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> sick of it. COVID this, COVID that, my kids, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. I know. I'm sick of it too. But here we are. It is what it is. We will make the best of it. So anyway, also make sure that you um, you can't really do anything in regards to the copyright until your film is finished. But as soon as your film is finished, I would recommend um, getting together with an IP lawyer and filling that out and, and applying for your copyright. So you've got you're taking care of that. Um, yes. So what's actually, happening I, I, on the I have one question if we can stick with the lawyer yeah. uh, situation. Um, I know you're not a lawyer yourself, but what is the difference between like a general entertainment lawyer and an IP lawyer? Because I know great. an entertainment lawyer, but I don't know an IP lawyer. Yeah, great question. So the entertainment lawyer is basically there to help you with all of your contracts. So you retain an entertainment lawyer in the very beginning who will help you with uh, contracts with any of your partners. They'll help you come up with deal memos. They'll help you come up with depiction releases. They will help you uh, figure out the structure of your company and, and formulate your company. And then they will help you it through any of that process. So if you have a problem with any of your partners, they're there for that. If you have a problem uh, with any of, you know, distribution people, they're there for that. They're there to review distribution offers or uh, any other things that arise. And then they're help helpful to litigate in case you have problems or stuff like that. An intellectual property lawyer is useful in that For example, you have to do a title search 
of your film. This is another thing that Trevor did for us. He was able to do a title search on the girl who wore freedom to make sure that it was free and clear for our use. And so that was super helpful. And then he is able to tell us, you know, what things are covered under intellectual property law, what things we need to copyright and how. And, um, so lawyers, as you know, are like medical doctors. They are extremely specific in what they focus on. And anytime you create anything or think about anything, it is intellectual property that can be protected. And so dealing with somebody who knows about that law is critical in a creative film project, for sure. But what if you don't have a successful podcast where you can ask for volunteers, how do you find a good IP or entertainment lawyer? Great question. Um, in the, For those of you who are in the film business, I would say there are lots of trade organizations and associations that create a database where you can go and, and research things. So, for example, I'm in the Chicago production community, and there are plenty of associations and groups that help filmmakers. So, it, uh the Independent Film Alliance in Chicago is an organization of creative professionals that comes together to support and help each other. And they have a database of, of lawyers and accountants and stuff like that. Uh, the union offices often have people that are, um, you know, resources that you can use. In Chicago, this is going to be something I'm going to be looking up for my next project. They have the Lawyers for the Creative Arts, which is a nonprofit organization where lawyers help um, artists just like me who don't have money. They do it pro bono to help you with all of your legal things. So um, that would be, that's where I'm going to start uh, for my next project and see if maybe I can because uh, until you have money, I mean, the other thing about lawyers and accountants, they are all very expensive. And so when you are just starting out, it really is important to find people that you know that probably specialize in those things to see if they'll be willing to come on and help you. And um, there are production, there are also production um, directories. Uh, so they're Chicago production directories. So when you're looking for all sorts of things, they're in that directory that you can research. Very interesting, very helpful, by the way. That's good. Thank um, you. Let's 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 shift gears. Uh, film festivals is a big focus of what's happening right now. Uh, I'm sure Boston has called. Right? <laughs> I haven't heard anything from Boston. So, so far they uh, haven't picked any awards. I don't know if they're going to or not. Uh, I probably should just write them one last time and find out if there's anything they can tell me. Um, we did get some more rejections this week. Of course, I'm getting very used to those. Uh, but we also got an acceptance to the Big Apple Film Festival in New York. It's going to be virtual this year. And it will be happening November 13 through 15. And we're super excited about that. So um, it's a 13-year-old festival. It's usually really well attended and regarded. So uh, we're looking forward to that. And that means that people will be able to watch virtually during that time. So that's coming up. And you, then I, what, yeah. What, what, how, sorry, real quick. How would you do, like, what kind of festival is it? Is it just all, 
all different kinds of films? Is it it's yes. focused just on documentaries? Nope, nope. It's all it's shorts, <clears throat> it's narratives, it's documentaries and features. Um, okay. And the other thing to tell you is I still had to apply for some other film festivals. So I did about, I would say, six other film festival applications, maybe 10, 10, 10 film festival applications, the majority of which were Academy Award qualifying for the documentary category. So I had missed a lot of those um, earlier in the year because we started our applications in March. And so a lot of the Academy Award ones are in the beginning of each year. So I missed that window. And now those uh, things are just now opening up. So we applied to South by Southwest. We've applied to um, the True Faults Film Festival. We've applied to It's All True. We've applied to the Goat Borg uh, there's a, a long list of, of new ones that we've applied to that we won't hear back from till probably next spring, but I've spent some time this week doing that. So that's the film festival update there. And then you mentioned you're going to Utah and you'll be talking on a panel. Can you talk about what your experience has been like talking on panels and what you expect for this upcoming panel discussion? Yeah, um, so far there really haven't been a ton of panels. Um, I talked. Well, you had a on, you had a lady filmmaker one, did, didn't you? I talked on one with the lady filmmakers, and that one was focused on what production is like in the area of COVID. And I wasn't able to offer a lot of insight there because I'm actually only doing post production in the area of, era of COVID. I will say one thing um, that I have. I learned in that uh, panel myself is that insurance for productions is skyrocketing because of COVID. So every um, every film uh, production company, when you are about to shoot anything, you should be carrying production insurance, and that should go all the way to the end of your production. Uh, I never did personally take out production insurance because my partners in the beginning had that for their own company, so we were covered under that. Um, but now, if you are going to to insure a production the uh, the rates are astronomical because of all of the COVID stuff. So that's making production very hard for independent filmmakers. I read um, television production. The price per episode has gone up about three hundred to four hundred thousand dollars just in added costs based on insurance, uh, additional roles, cleaning, and you know someone supervising all that stuff. And um, they also uh, added a completely new COVID supervisor a position mm -hmm. on pretty much every production now. So yeah. you're looking at just a astronomical increase, like on a series or a movie, like just that's, that's a lot of extra money. It is. And, you know, you always had a set medic or you always had uh, safety officers on, on any set. And there would be one person in that department, maybe with the, you know, medic department, maybe there's two. But now, like you said, there are just tons of changes. And so just think about craft service. Craft service used to be bought in bulk and it would be have been sat out on a table for people to come and grab, you know, at will. Well, now everything has to be packaged on its own. So catering, there has to be more stuff done in catering. So those prices have gone up. So just like in any other business, there are going to be costs and they aren't going to be going away soon. 
Uh, this is going to be with us for a while. So these new production costs are going to stay, I predict. It's going to make it well, more challenging. Speaking of food, uh, you know, uh, uh, good news, Costco is now giving out free samples again. They're individually wrapped and they tell you you have to eat them outside, but they're still giving out free samples. So, oof. That is good to know. Thank Life's you for that. Kind of back to normal then. <laughs> it is, it is. <laughs> so, back to your panel question. Um, yes. This panel that I will be on in Utah is going to be um, on how to get veterans to trust you. And it's basically about interviewing um, veterans, earning their trust. But I think it's it's really the same for anyone. Is how do you get anyone to trust you as as some somebody that's interviewing others, and um, you know that's going to basically be the focus of that panel. How do you get somebody to trust you? How do you make it make it an effective interview? And if people are in listening to this in Utah, we'd love to have you join us. We're going to be there from November 4th through November um, 8th. And Jeff Kurtnacker is going to be there. Hunter Taylor is going to be there. You can find out all of the details at thegirlywarfreedom.com slash festivals. We will be screening twice in uh, Utah, and then I'll have that one um, festival panel thing. I don't think we updated people listening to the podcast on Jeff Kurtnacker because he, he has a new role, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. I'm so excited to announce that Jeff is now the chief composer for Blizzard Entertainment, which is a great video game company. So that's super exciting. Yeah, that's Blizzard very is, cool. I, they're huge. <laughs> if you don't know video games, it's like it's like working for Paramount, you know, it's or, or Disney. It's <laughs> they've made some of the biggest games of all time. Yeah, it's a big it's a big deal. Yeah. Now I will well, say he is still uh he's hoping that my you know new film company is going to be taking off so that he can be our head composer. Um uh, but we're that's a ways down the road. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I mean to be full-time composer on a film production company, that's uh I mean I know you're talking about making a second film, but what are we what are we whole production company where you got to hire a <laughs> film composer full time. <laughs> I know, but that, that would, that would be Jeff's dream. Wouldn't that be amazing? No, we really would like to, um, we are talking about forming a film company. Um, and out of that spinning out several projects where Bill Ebel, Jeff Kurtnacker, Jason Hoban, and I, um, would be the core creative team. And we would, start pitching this company and our projects. So uh, that's what we're trying to figure out now. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. All right. I got a question for you. We bring this up. Uh, I think now every podcast, much like Boston, uh, any news on distribution? We did have some news. Uh, I actually heard from Gravitas Ventures uh, today, um, and you'll rem remember that name because we won a distribution offer from the Chagrin Doc Fest for the Emerging Filmmaker category. And uh, it's been two weeks, but we did finally hear from them today. And I found their uh, 
email very interesting. Um, so they basically said, congratulations on winning the Emerging Filmmaker Award at the Chagrin Documentary Film Festival. It's a wonderful achievement. Part of your award is a distribution offer, and below are the terms of that offer. So the offer is uh, to distribute The Girl Who Wore Freedom in North America. They want all rights. That means everything, streaming, um, cable, uh, airline, um, educational, everything, theatrical, all rights. Their, um, the distribution fee would be 25%. We would keep 100% of the back end. Gravitas will prepare the film for VOD distribution, including ingesting, encoding, quality control, closed captioning, and will author and distribute the DVD and the Blu-ray. And the additional terms are, there is no assumption of residuals. All materials delivered have to be fully cleared. Um, and we have to create the poster art and the trailer at our own expense and um and we have to have an outside pr firm at our expense if we decide we want that and uh that offer is subject to uh, an execution of a long form agreement and they would want uh, us to deliver everything by december 1st for a march 21st release so that's the so offer questions yeah. Okay. What uh, I'll get to the specifics in a minute, but generally speaking, how does this compare to other distribution deals you've you've read? So, first of all, it is very unusual with the people that we have been talking to to have a distribution deal that is for 15 years. So, they're they're at, it's I felt I kind of wonder like did they make this contract so that it would be a disincentive for me to accept this <laughs> offer uh, because this is a terrible offer. Um, and I'm. it doesn't seem like there is any negotiating here. It's like, this is the offer that I won. And, you know, one of the questions that I have is, you know, like we've talked about in the past, they initially said that our film was not a good fit for their audience. So part of me wants to go back to them and revisit that question before we even discuss this. Because again, if they're not interested in our film, they don't think it's a viable for their market, why would I sign this deal in the first place? Um, and then second of all, what they're telling me here is that if I want a PR firm, I'm going to have to pay for that. And I'm going to have to pay for any poster art, any trailer. Like, basically, they will give me a distribution offer for those things. They will lock up my film for everything for 15 years. And then it's they can choose to market my film or just sit on it. So, I mean, this is a terrible deal. So I don't know, <laughs> I don't know why anybody in their right mind would sign this deal. Why? What? What? Me, earlier, you said it was interesting. Is it interesting? Just like, huh? This is a really interesting deal that happens to be terrible. 
Or was there something in there that you thought, oh, there might be some wiggle room in here or something I could get out of this? Well, it's so interesting because it's so different from all the other distributors that we have spoken to. Also, for any other filmmakers that I've spoken to, to hear what their deals are, you know, a typical um, contract is like five years. So 15 years is a long time. And all the rights completely, they want all of the rights in North America for every single thing. Um, it just, again, it's almost like it's a dis, it's, I'm disincentivized to take this deal if I really care about my production. Well, sure. If you were Gravitas and you said to a film festival, whoever wins, we're going to offer them a deal. Well, you have no idea who they're going to pick. So. Right. Yeah, you're going to be, and 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 the off chance it's a film they want, then they might make it you know a little more interesting or or more appealing to you. But I, I got to imagine this is like boilerplate. Just just e- send this email to them; they're going to reject it, and we did our part. Yeah, I mean that's kind of what I feel like. I, I feel like. Um... I mean, I, I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to respond. I'm going to need to talk to David and to Hunter and figure out the best way to approach it. Um, you know, I am curious if there's any negotiating in there. I'm curious as to whether or not they're really interested in my property and think they can market it and sell it. Um, and uh, if there is no negotiating, uh, then this deal is nothing we are interested in. So we will then be moving forward. On, on the flip side, though, you cannot tell people Gravitas made us an offer. I can. I can. That's unique. That is unique. I mean, I, I consider myself extremely fortunate to be a first-time filmmaker with a film and um, to have had three offers that I can say we've had three offers to distribute our film and, you know, two of those happened before our festival run even began. And now this third one is like, you know, right near the beginning of it. So. Well, I'm 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 wondering, I mean, it's not, it's not just a pat on the back, but like the fact that Gravitas has officially made you an offer, no one has to know the details of that. I mean, can you use that as leverage? Um, we have thought about that because, um, yes, we've definitely thought about that, but I will say there's one offer that we have on the table, uh, that we've been working with this company now for, as you know, a long time, uh, to the point where we really like the agreement that, that they've offered us. Um, so, uh, we're, you know, in the stages of, of finalizing that agreement, uh, the the difference with this company is it's just for North America. It's not for, um, you know, for everywhere. So, um, and if memory serves, it wasn't all the rights in North America too, right? There were some correct. you were retaining, yeah. Right, because we don't think that we really should give away our theatrical rights because no company is really going to do a theatrical release of our film. They're just going to sit on those rights. So that means that I can't go to a theater somewhere and screen the film for a group of students or veterans and sell a DVD and our merchandise and things like that in a situation where I could actually do good and uh, make some of my money back. So I wouldn't want to give away those rights or lock them up. So. 
yeah all right that's where we are this well, week so we got, yeah so we got utah coming up that's very exciting have the panel discussion uh, anything else you want to uh promote or plead for <laughs> before we wrap up <laughs> Well, we still, um, we did have another, um, I think, $1,400 in donations that um, was given to us uh, over the last two weeks, but that's only about a third of our budget for the month. So we really are running behind. And um, I think we're going to start trying to figure out how we can get monthly supporters just so we can make our operating costs of about $1,000 a month. And then, like I said, we're looking for web developers and some um, a business operations uh, intern. We need to groom somebody to take over Hunter's position when Hunter finally gets a real job. So, um, (laughs) I mean, I guess this is a real job. Why did I say that? Uh, Until he gets a job in the military. Um, so. yeah, for, the, for the guy who's listening and thinking, hey, I'd like to be that. Oh, wait, it's not a real job. What? <laughs> no, it's a, <laughs> it's actually a real job. Uh, so we, we need a business intern. And um, yeah, so, and that's it. And I would say, I, I don't know if you guys know this. Well, you might. I'm having uh, back surgery on November 16th. So when people are listening to this, that will be coming up. And I don't know that we'll need to take a, well, we probably need to take one week off and recycle something. But um, but yeah, I'll be out for at least a week. Jason and I will just ramble for that week. We'll just make stuff up. And yeah, I think it's like, like when you dropped out in the road. middle. Yeah. Yeah. Let's wildly speculate about something. (laughs) (laughs) I heard a lot of people actually like that. So, (laughs) so thank you guys so much. Um, I appreciate everybody that's listening to this. It really means a lot. Uh, Please make sure to follow us on social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, uh, and make sure you're signed up for our newsletter. Also, please make sure uh, to donate if you can and, uh, you know, keep following our journey. And oh, one I of, would also like to say, oh, sorry, I know one, one other thing. Uh, we're giving 10% off in our store uh, with the code Red Rock starting next week. Red Rock. So, yes. Anyway, so you would also. What's the date? Uh, yeah, next week when they're hearing this or next yeah, week? For so us? It, it, sorry. Next week from November 3rd through November uh, 10th is when you can use the code red rock to get 10% off the store awesome can I go yeah go ahead all right (laughs) hey thanks for listening to documentary first where we believe everyone has a story to tell and you can be the one to tell it yes you can bye everybody Thank you for listening to Documentary First. We really appreciate your partnership with us. We can't do any of this without you. So thank you so much for listening, for donating, and for following along on our journey. If you are able to make a donation this week, we would really appreciate it. We are supported by donors who give us $100 or less, so anything helps. Also, if you're able to share the news about the girl who wore freedom with your friends and family, please do that on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or email. And sign up for our newsletter at thegirlwhowarefreedom.com. Please go to thegirlwhowarefreedom.com slash donate to make a donation today.